when you wake up in the morning and you're sitting down and you're thinking about what you're going to do for the rest of the day, where do you need to put your attention today? What do you need to put your attention on today that's going to make you successful as you carry on towards your goals? Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Hey, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. I'm actually very excited about uh, talking with my next guest. So y'all have been listening to these podcasts. And from time to time, we get buddies of mine. We get folks that are kind of one to two degrees of separation away from, uh, you know, from the Knucklehead and Knucklehead Network here. So I'm interested in, in talking with Wes Woodhouse for a variety of reasons. But one in particular is raising a family in Vegas. And he's, he's out in the... Uh, on the west, on the west coast. Well, I don't even call it the west coast, the western part of the U.S. So, uh, everybody that's uh, everybody that's not from here in Texas, the great country of Texas, as my buddy Chad used to say. I enjoy having conversations with people who are in different areas of the country, uh, hooking and jabbing, doing what it is that they do out that way. So, Wes, I appreciate you taking some time in the wee hours of the morning there in uh, in Vegas. So, how in the hell are you? Good, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, ready to go. It's six in the morning. Let's do this. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What causes somebody to want to jump on a podcast that early in the morning? What is it about what you do that causes you to say, you know what? No, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and I'm just going to get after the day. What is you know, that? A, is that a, some, a philosophy that you believe in? It is. It is. In, in the studying of people who are successful, I found that invariably they work hard. And many times working hard means you got to get up a little bit earlier than most other people and hit it. I mean, I've, I've got a full day plan in my, my day job in the Air Force. And so at, at some level, I just got to make, make things like this happen. And I, I think it's important. You know, I, I want to I provide you, Stephen, with value. And I want to provide your audience with value too. And then I'm going to learn here too. If I, if I walk away from this podcast and I don't learn something, then I'm doing it wrong. So it'll be from the comment section, Wes. I don't, I don't necessarily know how much Perfect. you're going to learn from this knuckle dragger, but I will redirect you to what the comments have to say. I'll just put it to you. All right. Sounds, sounds good. How long you been in the Air Force? I uh, graduated and commissioned in late 2013 and then uh, entered active duty in early 2014. So it's coming up on eight years now. Can I ask you a question real quick about the service academies before we jump into some other things? You can, uh, but I did not graduate the Air Force Academy. I graduated from Michigan Tech University uh, oh, through cool. ROTC. So uh, oh, okay. there's multi- there's three different ways to commission. And uh, and I chose, obviously, one of the three. It wasn't a service academy, though. I'm assuming that the the circles that you ran in, you ran in, come in contact with folks who were you know, commissioned from their time in the in the uh, at the service academy there in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm assuming you came across some folks during your time. Absolutely, oh yeah, all the time. Did you ever ask them about what the difference is? So, what the college, you know, your average college experience, ROTC, that's a it's kind of an extracurricular in addition to what you're doing mm-hmm. for chasing your bachelor's degree. They had a service academy folks reconcile that average college experience, you know, with fraternities and getting in trouble, breaking curfew and doing all that stuff and doing what you're doing? Or did those conversations ever come up? That, that's a great question. I, I think um, the people who wanted to go to the service academy, their focus, their goal was commissioning and becoming a an officer in the armed forces. So I think that goal uh, superseded the the means and going to the service, one of the service academies is uh is one of the best means to get there. Um, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm a pilot. And if you graduate the Air Force Academy and you're medically qualified, that's probably the best surefire way of, of making it into pilot training and, and going on from there. 
That's a good question, though. I should I should ask that. I haven't specifically asked about you know what types of opportunities they may regret missing out on. You know, because I had an internship during college and uh, I didn't join a frat or anything, but um, a lot of other extracurriculars that aren't really available at the service academy. Although they do have a lot of opportunities there. Most of them are are academic or military focused. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> no, when you think about it, it's uh, it leads to kind of the premise of the show, right? I mean, we can cover some background on, mm. on, uh, on Wes here, but you know, you, you look at things that folks have screwed up along the way and there's been no shortage of, of scandals or, or, you know, mm. mistakes that somebody who's 18, 19, 20 years old, as they're going through the ranks at a service academy with the pressure of uh, producing this, this outcome of, of uh, surpassing your peers and being mm-hmm. at the top of the world and, uh, and shortcuts, you know, shortcuts that happen along the way, it lead to, it lead to lead to bad decisions in most cases. Uh, if, if people are trying to circumvent the process, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're wanting to skip the line. They're wanting to, you know, for instance, I'll give you an example. Uh, back whenever I was in Marine Corps, there's a, there's some tests that you take called MCIs and Marine Corps Institute is something you can go back and you can take tests for, well, it was, I'll just let you on a dirty little secret all the enlisted folks that I ran around with, uh, most of the time it was, if I was taking an MCI, it was because I had the answers beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was because those guys were sharing and circulating the answers. I didn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a, an op- it was an open book test, but if you had the answers, then you knew exactly what section to go to first. So you could just run through that damn thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously those things lead to promotion. Those things kind of assist in what, what was your cutting score at the time to help you advance quicker over your peers. But the reality is, is those were corners that were cut all the time that kind mm. of took from the importance of actually learning the military education that was provided to you. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So it's not, it's not necessarily a, a great thing. And I can tell you what I learned from it was I didn't learn the materials. So whenever I went mm. back, I, I think I took like six or seven of those tests. I ended up with like 23 of them. And the reason why is because I, I went, I stopped and I go, I had to study this material. And then I have to have to understand that there's a Marine Corps leadership. There's, you can learn about different aircraft. You can learn about different, you know, uh, landing vessels. It was, it was really interesting information that somebody took their time, energy and resources to put in those books. Mm-hmm. It was, it was fascinating, but I felt like a dumbass for, you know, finding out the answers ahead of time, but I'm just confessing here to you, Wes. So well, and, and it's like anything you get out of it, what you put into it. That's the truth. So. Yeah. yeah, that's the truth. All right. So what brought you to Vegas? Was it the military or did you have aspirations to, to live out that way before you moved? Nope. Uh, yeah, all the military. So this is just my current assignment. They sent me to, to Vegas. So up and moved the family to Vegas. And that's that's where we are. Where are you from originally? Both my wife and I are from Chicago area. So the, the okay. western suburbs of Chicago. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. When you said uh, Michigan Tech, I don't know in, where in Michigan that is, but how did you come across going to Michigan Tech? Uh, so Michigan tech is up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Uh, my, I had a couple criteria when I went to college. So I kind of alluded to it. My, my singular goal was I wanted to become a fighter pilot in the, in the air force. Okay. And so it was great timing. I, I decided that in eighth grade and I was like, Hey, uh, what do I need to do to get there? So all throughout high school, I worked hard. I did the extracurriculars, the leadership focused extracurriculars that I knew would, would get me competitive to either go to the academy or get into the ROTC program. Right. Uh, and then I started looking at, at colleges. I, I'd always wanted to be a mechanical engineer. So that's what, what I was going to study regardless of, of where I went. Uh, I applied to the academy, but then I also, as a backup, applied to a variety of different civilian schools that had ROTC units there. Sure. Michigan Tech being one of them. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a small school, but it's known for its mechanical engineering program, which is why, and it had Air Force ROTC, which is uh, why I applied. 
Uh, and then when I didn't make it into the Air Force Academy, um, that was the uh, that was the first runner up, if you will. And that's where I went. And, uh, as you kind of talked about, I, I don't regret my decision at all. I think a lot of the opportunities and life experiences that I got there, I am glad that I got a smart man, Wes, you're living with a woman. You have two boys, <laughs> very well played. So if she's listening to the podcast, uh, you know, kudos to you, buddy. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. Covered that base. Hey, listen, I, I want to ask you, um, being a, a father of, of two daughters, and, uh, and aspirations, you know, for your children, yeah, most parents want their kids to do better, um, than, than themselves. So, mm -hmm. you know, setting your family up, kind of thinking forward planning in the way that you were back whenever you were in eighth grade, thinking about your future career. Do you spend a lot of time talking to your daughters about, or depending upon their age, planning for what it is that you want for the, for the outcome of their life? Do you, do you spend a lot of time thinking about that? We do. And, and more and more, our, our oldest is two. So really not the, the conversation piece yet, but, sure. um, you know, just, just thinking about, you know, what we're doing as far as uh, saving for their, for their future education. And I'm, uh, I'm being adamant about not, not locking them into the route that you have to go to college. Uh, I, I think it'll be very interesting over the next uh, 16 years, I guess, uh, to see what happens to the, uh, to the institution of higher education here in, in the United States. Uh, there's always going to be a place for it, but the reality is you can do almost anything without having to go to college with the internet and the opportunity for entrepreneurial pursuits and, uh, and whatnot. I mean, I think giving them the life experiences and giving them an understanding of, yes, you can, you can, uh, envision something and then build it and then make it happen is going to be more valuable. Every time I talk to a pilot, it's, it's amazing the way that they think, you know, they, they, it's almost as if they have eyes uh, in the sides of their heads and the back of their heads. And at the same time, they've got, you know, consumer processing units just going through the information as quickly as possible. They're mm. calculating constantly. It's not as if they're doing it in their normal activity. It's it's whenever you're flying a, a, a fighter plane, I'm just as ignorant as, as the next guy. I've never flown one before. I've just seen him in, see him in the air. I've, I've watched Top Gun. It looks phenomenal. Uh, but I've had enough conversations to where you have to think through like the worst case scenario uh, outcomes in multiple dimensions at the same time. Do you feel like that skill that you developed is something that benefits you in, in this decision-making process that you're talking about for your daughters and for kind of what it is that you want to do as you go through life here? I think it does. I think that that mentality that you're talking about, you can apply to any aspect of life. And this, this being just one of them. Yeah. I mean, keeping your options open, what you never want to do is you never want to get in the square corner. The biggest square corner, I briefed it yesterday. We were going to uh, fly a low level and we're flying a low level in, in South, I guess, Eastern California. There you go from Death Valley at uh, below the sea level, all the way up to Mount Whitney, the highest point in the lower 48 across just about 50 miles. And some of these mountains are extremely steep. And if you are slow going up one side of the mountain and you don't have enough power to get over the top, that's a square corner. You, you've got no out. Um, and so that's what I briefed. I said, make sure you're paying attention to your airspeed and make sure you're paying attention to your, your power setting. That's a contingency. Most of the time you won't get in a situation like that, but that that's a contingency and that's one that you're not gonna be able to get out of. But yes, that thinking you can apply to any aspect of life. And I appreciate that and appreciate what you're doing for uh, not just the country, but for yourself. I mean, I, when I think of leadership, when I think of uh, military leadership, not everybody understands the correlation between what happens in business and the training that a lot of folks get in the military. One of the most very specific trade schools or specific training grounds that you can have for business is the military. And mm -hmm. the proof in that is if you go look at any particular organization, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, 
or even some of the smallest, fastest growing uh, small businesses that are out there. I see, i.e., the uh, you know the venture back space. Mm-hmm. So Series A all the way up to Series G. I saw yesterday somebody's doing a valuation on a Series G. It's just it's amazing how you know venture capital works. But the re- the reality is, if you look at each one of those subsets of the of the markets or subsets of different industries, you're going to find folks with military experience peppered throughout that entire process. And a lot of times they're either an operational capacity, a leadership capacity, some type of you know systems or processes or supply chain. They they understand how to compartmentalize things and how these law Deming's law of interchangeable parts kind of gets things moving together. And so it's it's interesting to think about you know pilots and the way that they deal with threats and the way that you have to do a SWOT analysis whenever you're running your business. So. Talk to me a little bit about kind of what got your interest in doing what you're doing now outside of what you're doing for the military. And also kind of, did you, have you always been just naturally curious or what led you to want to do something in business outside of, uh, outside of the military? It's, I think it's exactly as you say, like you said, the, the military does a great job of, of building up leaders who can be strategic thinkers, but then can execute at a tactical level. My unique experiences as, as a fighter pilot, I think can bring a, a unique and interesting perspective to uh, to business. And I think one of my, one of my strengths is it's just, it's, it's all about the attention. It's as a fighter pilot, I'm in, I'm in the cockpit of a fighter and we mission plan specifically with the target, with the, uh, achievement of the mission in, in the forefront. We start from the target and work backwards is what we usually say in, in the mission planning process, which means that you have to have the vision. A lot of times the vision of what the target is, is handed down to us, but, uh, you start with the target and work backwards and you find our, what are our strengths and capabilities? And then what are the what are the threats, the obstacles that we have to, to jump over? And that translates exactly into, uh, I mean, really anything in life, whether it's fitness or finances or, but then specifically business as we're, as we're talking about right now. But throughout that process, it's from, from mission planning to execution to debrief, it's all about where you're focusing your attention. And if you can be disciplined about where you're putting your attention, I mean, you're hired Today, a grand majority of us, and especially if you're listening to this podcast, you're paid for the attention that you pay to your job. You're, you are literally paid for your attention. You're not paid for your time. You're paid for your attention. That's the main message that I like to talk about when I am talking to people about, about this, because that's what matters. You put your attention in the right spot and you're going to be thinking about the right things and you're going to be able to make the, the appropriate decision. If your attention is distracted, scattered, or just in the wrong place, you may have a really good solution, but you're going down the wrong path. Uh, and you need to make sure that you're getting on the on the right path. This is an interesting topic because we're going to go down this this path. We, we can't really get into all the specifics here because of uh, well, I'm not going to put Wes in that position. He's you know <laughs> full time you know active duty military, so I'm not going to ask him about operational planning, lack of execution, mm. you know being in a, a a spot for 20 plus years, and then the uh, the terrible tragedy that's going on right now in right. Afghanistan. But right. my point is, we're talking about a topic that I think happens probably more often than not happens in your business happens in conversations whenever you're doing you know planning you know financial planning with your wife or or your husband or your you know your your soon to be spouse and you're just you're going through this this decision making process and mistakes happen screw ups mm-hmm. happen but talking about the screw ups and talking about the mistakes uh, in the context of the military or the context of, of of sports or the context of high performance a lot of times those screw ups they're not easy. First of all, you have to recognize they're not easy to talk about. And first, and probably even more not easy to talk about, they're very difficult to recognize if you were the one uh, who's making them and your mm-hmm. mistake affected other people around you. So the example that I that I use 
uh, remember the beginning of the movie Top Gun? I keep on coming back to Top Gun. It's like it's <laughs> it's like the goat. It's an easy one. So um, you could use probably another pilot movie, The Aviator, whatever the case may be. But let's just use Top Gun, for instance. Like uh, I can't remember uh, Maverick's uh, CEO, essentially the admiral on that uh, on that ship, where he was saying, "Listen, if you're going to Top Gun, but if you screw this, you're going to be Ryan flying rubber dog grip out of Hong Kong." Right. And if I talk to enough pilots, they they've said that. You can actually legitimately end up being that person who's flying mm-hmm. C-130s, going from a fighter pilot down to like you're, you're flying cargo planes out of Southeast Asia. So let me ask you a question. When Cougar is up there and he's stuck, was it a screw up? Help me understand kind of the, from a pilot's perspective and put this into context of, of, of life as you answer this, but just what was it that led to that mistake? And then subsequently, how did that affect Maverick whenever he was, you know, did a touch and go? the mistake that he made not listening to direct orders and go and taking care of his buddy to bring him in series of mistakes, but led mm-hmm. with one particular screw up or mistake walk me through how to make sense of that from a, a mistakes standpoint. I think in, in that scenario, uh, what happened to Cougars, he, he let his mistakes propagate and get into his head and then, and he couldn't, he just couldn't execute. And again, it goes back to, you know, one of the basic things that we're taught when we are in pilot training is the, the cross check, the instrument cross check, where you methodically go across every, every so often, it's like every 15 to uh, probably 20 seconds, you're looking outside, you're flying, you're, you're executing your mission, but then every 15 or so seconds, you need to come back in the cockpit and just check a couple of vital things. What are our airspeed? What's my altitude? Uh, and where's my uh, flight path vector, uh, i.e. where am I going? Just a status check on how's, how's everything happening in the jet. Look down at the, at the engine panel, make sure that the, the health of the jet, if you will, is appropriate. Have you ever not done that, honestly? Oh yeah, all the time. You get it's it's called uh, task saturation or tunnel vision, where you become so task saturated that you get out of your normal routine. You stop thinking about the things that you're you're supposed to be thinking. You're thinking about your mind is focused on one thing, uh, and what's going to happen is it's the wrong thing, and it's the wrong thing to be focused to be entirely tunnel vision on that task saturated to the point where you're you're not thinking about anything else and then you your cross we call it your cross check breaks down and now you're not looking at the right things you're not looking at your altitude and your airspeed and all of a sudden you're you know 10 degrees nose low and you're accelerating and you're going to put yourself in a really bad situation uh so he he got in his head he let the small mistakes propagate into bigger mistakes and instead of uh getting back to the basics and getting doing his instrument cross check all right what is our game plan right now what are what's our overall focus. Where am I putting my jet? What, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Yep. That broke down and it, it just propagated and propagated to the point where, uh, you know, he's, he's sweating the jet. He, he wasn't sure what was exactly going on. Pretty disoriented. And pretty quick. It's, it's a bad situation. You, <laughs> when you're in an airplane, you can't just pull over on a cloud and pull out your map and, you know, figure your life out and take a walk around the car for a little bit. You're, you're always moving. And it's the same in business. The business is always moving. It, yep. it never stops regardless COVID happens. That's just a giant roadblock. The business is still going and you still have to keep it afloat. You still have to do your instrument cross check. And, uh, and you know what, maybe you have to, you have to look at some, uh, some parameters a little bit differently. Maybe, uh, we just hit a bunch of weather and we need to decide if we need to climb or descend to get out of it so that we can get back into, um, the, the clear sky so that we can, uh, you know, look over and, and have a visual on our, our wingman or, or whatever the goal is. That's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. It does answer the question because you, you just talk, you just hit the nail on the head for a high performer. You can't just pull over. Right. I mean, at a high, uh, mm-hmm. um, the, the analogy that I hear people talking about all the time is 
uh, NASCAR or Formula One or these indie cars that mm-hmm. you know they go at like Mach 12 with their hair on fire constantly. And, you know, it's not like they're going to pick up groceries in this damn thing. You know, it's there's a huge difference. And, and to use, you know, uh, vehicle analogies, when you're talking about getting from point A to point B, you can't use the same thing. If you're going to drive a high performance vehicle, there's things that are common between going at that level all the time that uh, that you experience and that's how you maintain them and you you also go from uh you know from race to race with the same team so people can start to get very specific about what they do to help keep that high performing engine operating it you know at Mach 12 all the time with hair on fire uh, we did an episode 137 so those of you who are listening to knucklehead podcast you like listening to other knucklehead uh, episodes particularly with pilots Episode 137 with Dave Burke. He works with an organization called uh, uh, Echelon Front, Jocko Willenick and Leif Babin. They, they created this management consulting firm called Echelon Front where they work and they apply military strategies, their experiences in the military, and they apply them to business, right? So this, this, this experience that we're talking about here with Wes, Dave Burke talks about the same thing. He was a Marine Corps pilot, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal pilot. I, I'm going to butcher his background and he's going to slap me upside the head later if I screw it up. So not even going to attempt, but I am going to tell you that episode 137 back in November of last year, he did a phenomenal job of talking through the observe, orient, decide act, that OODA loop process that was kind of perfected. Uh, I think it was by a, a Korean war pilot, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, Wes, but John Boyd, short yep. is he did a little mini series in episode 137, but he always talks about it. Then the echelon front musters that, that happen all the time, JP Donnell, uh, you know, Mike Sorelli, all those guys that do, essentially, they, they're not just going to talk to you about concepts. They're going to talk to you about a concept. They're going to talk to you about a framework. And then they're going to give you stories about six or seven people that just went through that. Mm-hmm. And what was the end result of applying that process and that framework, not just from a military context, but also from a business context. So phenomenal organization. And what Wes just talked about with, you know, Top Gun, they don't pay us royalties. But if you want to go catch catch the movie out, that's cool. I think it's <laughs> coming up here relatively soon. It's that's been true. pushed a couple of times. I can't wait till it comes out, but way too many times. Yeah, seriously. All right. Well, Wes, here, let's, let's land the plane, so to speak, with, uh, you know, how do people get in touch with you? I understand that, you know, you're flying planes, raise a family. You got a lot of things going on that are pulling for your attention. Why would somebody want to get in touch with you? What, what, what is it that you could help them with their business or what's your end goal of, of wanting to work with folks that we're going to reach out to you? Walk people through that process real quick. Yeah. So uh, a couple different ways, westwoodhouse.com or my personal LinkedIn page, which is LinkedIn slash in slash Westwoodhouse. Those are the best ways to get in contact with me. Right now, I'm, I run a mastermind group of, of uh, guys who are 25 to about 35 who want to make an impact on themselves, their, their families, their communities, and the world through wise counsel accountability. And so that's been a lot of fun. We've been, we've been going for the last year. Actually, for, for your guests, if you go to westwoodhouse.com slash knuckleheads, I have a download. It's called Focus Like a Fighter Pilot. And it talks about just a couple of the lessons that I've learned over the past couple of years on how to maintain your attention on what you need to be paying attention to. And so we go through, you know, the define the objective and then contingency planning and, and all that. So it's a good little document there that, that'd be a great thing to to download and read. Those are those are the two best ways. So uh, the website and then my LinkedIn. And I'd love to I'd love to connect with anybody. Yeah, for sure. Well I appreciate you you putting that out there. And you know, the challenge essentially the charge of admission listening to the podcast is it's just to follow steps. I mean, mm-hmm. guests constantly let people know here, here's how you get in touch with me. So let folks know let, or if, if somebody, somebody's listening to this show and they're like, man, yeah, I, I got some buddies of mine who are, you know, they're wanting to join the military or they have already joined the military or they're just fixing to separate from the military. 
uh, that process is applicable. That framework that you just talked about, defining the objective, reverse mm-hmm. engineering the process. And what you call it earlier, your pilots call it, when you reverse engineer the process, you had a different phrase for it. Yes. Start from the target and work backwards. Start from the target and work backward. There you go. So, and I love that. I love that a lot of the phrases, catchphrases that you hear used mm-hmm. in the business all the time. Go back and check the origin. A lot of them started in the military. Mm-hmm. A lot of them started in the military. So, Wes, I appreciate you taking some time. Uh, mastermind group, tell me a screw, <laughs> tell me a screw up or a mistake that you made in terms of planning and process that you didn't account for that, you know, when you're in it, things are going pretty well where you're like, oh, I wish I would have thought about that before we got started. Do you, do you have an example of a, of a screw up or mistake relative to the mastermind group? I would say for that, not having enough people. Well, I mean, too many people. That's, that's always one. I think it really goes back to what I said. You know, start the target and work backwards. There's been a couple of times where I've been distracted from from the purpose of the of the mastermind group, and I and what what happens there is I you know I'm, I'm putting my attention elsewhere, and I'm not thinking about hey. These, these guys are here because I want to give them value. I want to make them better. And I want to hold them accountable to their, to their goals, their big goals. I've gotten distracted a couple of times. Think some of it is, is thinking about how I can attract more guys to join. And then some of it's just, you know, chasing the closest squirrel and spending too much attention on that. And I think that's at times uh, diminished the, uh, the attention I've given each of these guys and in, in propelling them towards their goals. Sure. Yeah. Bright, shiny object. We all are. It is. Yeah. We all we all have that happen to us. I'll, I'll tell you that much. So, Wes, I appreciate you spending some time with us. You know, for those of you who like listen, Knucklehead, we we strive to to put out that new content every Tuesday. Doesn't always happen. However, what what ends up happening is is we end up tabulating a significant amount of uh, of content through different uh, variety of different sources. One of the things that we found is over the course of uh, building hundreds and hundreds and thousands of episodes, not just for us but for other organizations, is is you you run into some pretty incredible people. So the Knucklehead Network is a great opportunity for, you know, relatively new podcasters to come in and cross-pollinate different guests, but also just get access behind the scenes. It's not always just about getting somebody's attention for the first 20 or 30 minutes. It's about the relationship that follows that 20 to 30 minutes. So the Knucklehead Network gives you an opportunity to work through you know, all the guests that we've that we've had on. I mean, we've had Tim Kennedy, MMA fighter, former military guy. Uh, kind of a badass dude, uh, all the way up to, you know, folks that are uh, like Gita uh, Nuda. I'm going to screw up her name. She's going to screw. She, she's an ultra athlete in uh, in Canada who works with organizations on mindset, mindset and performance. In organizations, it's amazing how maniacal they can be on investing resources in folks that are leading from the front. So screw ups, mistakes things that people have uh, have struggled with in the past. If you like listening to those stories so you can learn from other people's mistakes, go to knuckleheadpodcast.com and check out uh, all the different episodes that we have. Wes just told you how to get in touch with him. If you're a new podcaster, you want to you want to join a, a network that can help you kind of propel and you can have access to, to a lot of different listeners, a lot of different promotional opportunities. Knucklehead Network is where you're going to want to find that. So knucklehead.agency slash network, I think is actually the, the site. So anyway, Wes, anything else that we want to we'll leave these folks with? Yes. One thing, one question. When you wake up in the morning and you're sitting down and you're thinking about what you're going to do for the rest of the day, where do you need to put your attention today? What do you need to put your attention on today that's going to make you successful as you carry on towards your goals? That's a question that I try and ask myself every every morning, and that helps me focus and stay on track. Yeah. We call that get some wins. I like that. It's that's right. Yeah. Iterative, yep. iterative wins. Yep. That essentially will build the momentum to get you to where you want to go. Wes, yep. I appreciate you, man. With that, go out and kick some ass, guys. We'll see you. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Appreciate it. You bet. See you guys.